Knockouts and three counts. It is another Thursday, and man, we might as well call this one Throwdown Thursday because we got the return of our guy, El Toro Mondo Gutierrez, before he steps in the cage for Fury FC. But before we get to that, we got to tell you who's bringing you this fine show, and that's thanks to our sponsors over there at Potter's Tree Service. With that being said, I'm about to show you here in a minute what they are capable of doing, but if you're in the need for tree removal, tree trimming, chipping service, storm damage cleanup, uh, walnut logging, or lot clearing, Potter's Tree Service are your guys, but uh, I'll just show you for yourself, and the links are in the description. This is the Ring of Honor, a.k.a. Shane T, boy. The baddest champion you've ever seen, boy. This is Mr. Anderson. This is good old JR Jim Roth, and you are listening. You're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. Power! Power! Yeah, we got a world champion! That might be one of the craziest knockouts I've ever seen in my life. Knockouts and Three Counts is the podcast, baby! That's a real deal, baby! Knockouts and Three Counts starts now. No, it is Thursday. This is Knockouts and Three Counts. And like I said, without any further ado, we have our guy Mondo El Toro Gutierrez before he steps into the cage for Fury FC. Fresh off the Ultimate Fighter, so there's a lot to talk about. Mondo, how you been, my guy? I've been good, brother. How you guys doing? I'm breathing. It's better than that 35-degree weather we had yesterday, so I'm all right. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, Corey. Dude, it was all four seasons in one day. It was like nice and sunny. Like, I say that about Michigan all the time, damn it. Like I tell people, like we get all the seasons. It could That's be 80 degrees the day before, too. It's like and, a whole stretch of like two months where you it's you gotta dress for all four seasons throughout the day, and that's the worst two months. As somebody that works outside, man, I went from having my heated jacket running, kicking, had that boy full red. To all right, let me turn off the heat because it's getting hot. All right, let me unzip. To all right, let me take off the jacket. All right, let me take off the long sleeve. Yeah, it was one of those days for sure. Got the the fluctuation in temperature for sure. Uh, no wonder everybody uh, around us is getting sick. But besides the point, man, how are you feeling going back into uh, Fury FC, man? It's got to be an exciting. A feeling. long, long time coming, bro. I've been waiting so long for this. Like 
the what the one like being on the show was awesome it was such a huge blessing and like one of the best memories that i've ever had and i'll ever have in the rest of my life but god damn bro like they put us on ice for so long like you can't fight until the show's done airing and i was at least trying to be proactive and like i i did a lot of stuff in that in, during that time like i still did a lot of jujitsu mm-hmm. and stayed busy and just really like made a name for myself in the jujitsu scene and just try to carry that energy into this and now it's finally time you know i wish it would have happened sooner but hey late is better than never and i'm and it can't be a bigger event than this i'm super excited it's gonna be a dope fight and i'm ready to go well we're gonna go ahead corey uh, that's one thing i was definitely thinking about all you uh, athletes on the show man was like you say, you know, whether you win, lose, or draw on the actual show, like you say, you got to end up waiting until the show plays out in its entirety for you, before you guys can do anything further with your career. And at that point in your career, you guys are at that hot stage where you're taking fights every couple months and to kind of, like you say, put yourself on ice and at least you're able to focus on your skills and round out other aspects of your game and still continue to train and improve yourself during that time. But it's still... It's nice to have that that goal that you're looking at currently with the fight being booked and stuff like that. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, with that said, before we get to uh, Fury FC and all that, you kind of touched on something that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, it was awesome to see you out there doing your thing. We saw you giving uh, Connor a fade and all that good stuff as well. But tell me, you know, what are your thoughts on the overall experience of the Ultimate Fighter? How do you feel um, like it ben- benefited you? Like, what do you? What are your biggest takeaways? So the thing about it is, even before I ever had the slightest clue that I was going to be a fighter, I I knew for a fact that like I loved the show and I watched every se- single season since I was little. And being on the other side of it, you know, growing up being such a big fan of the show, like actually my wrestling coach in high school was a wrestling coach on the show once. So like. Oh, no shit. I had people that were actually competing on it. I knew a lot of people that have been on it and I knew a lot of people involved with it, but actually being in it, it's nothing like what I expected. It's totally different. I was prepared for the competition and all that, of course, but the biggest takeaway, not fighting related is that it's not a fight show. It's a TV show. They don't like, it really seems like they don't give two shits about you as a fighter they care about you as being good for tv so like before the show started they had us in a hotel for 10 days in a hotel room with no no gym no nothing all we had was like a little like hotel gym and we all knew that we had to fight as soon as we got in the house so they're feeding us like applebee's and like other restaurants and expected us to be tip-top shape and primed and ready to go on 10 days notice really but (laughs) off of eating like rolling off the couch pretty much and eating applebee's it's kind of weird but uh like i said they don't it's not to them it's not a fight show they don't care about the fight stuff they care about you being a tv show guy so they just they they just expect you to just go out there and fight and that's it so that part was really it took some getting used to yeah i could imagine man i mean doing push-ups on the hotel floor trying to stay on weight and shit i could just imagine that's got to be a weird experience you know like you say leading into potentially the biggest moment in your career it's got to be a weird feeling yeah lucky for me i took a 
the preparation leading up until I left for the show was incredible. That was the best preparation I've had in my entire life. My diet was on point. Everything was great. And then it all got messed up when I got out there and had to start asking for permission to go on a run outside for 30 minutes. And all I had was 30 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, damn. You better get ready for this TV life, man. But uh, with that said, tell me, you know, obviously we know here at home you train with uh, Murcielago, but you got to tell me, man, what was uh, training with Connor like? What are your thoughts on his training methods versus what you're used to? Like, I know every coach is different. So how was the training? Um, The training was dope. I honestly liked it a lot. I don't think the show, the show painted a really wrong picture of what Connor was for us on the show. I mean, the dude brought a full arsenal of tools for us. Like he brought his nutritionist, his personal chef, strength and conditioning, striking coach, wrestling coach, jujitsu coach, everything. He brought everything. And it was all at our disposal. Um, He gave us absolutely everything. His personal chef was working for us. His nutritionist was working for us. And it was dope. But the training itself was really nice. I liked it. I learned a lot from him, you know, being a southpaw. And being able to learn a lot of little tips and tricks that he had, because his coach Roddy is actually a softball as well. So shout out to them. Um, the one big difference from them to us is we're a really hard nosed team here. We're really nitty gritty, and we and, and we get better with the bodies that we have in the room. Uh, coach leads a good practice, and he knows he has a high hand. He has a good troop, and he puts those troops at war every single day. And um, we push ourselves a lot, and we damn near red line every day. But that's just the way I like it. You know, I've always, I came from a wrestling background, so that's what I'm accustomed to. But when it comes to Connor's training, there's a lot of, more of a, like a mental approach, you know, rather than physically intense, it's mostly mentally intense. And that was a big gear switch for me, but it helped me a lot. It helped me be more present in my training rather than just go, 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 go. You know, I was learning things, taking the time to actually learn a position work the position and get better. And I feel like I brought a lot of tools home that I didn't have before. So I can't complain one bit. Yeah. It's gotta be such an interesting dynamic. And as somebody that went through it with the show and stuff, I mean, looking back on it, are you with the whole format, the way it played out with the veterans versus the newcomers and stuff like that, and the way that they split the whole team. Yeah. That exactly my kind of thought leading into it when I seen it, especially knowing that I had, you know, people, friends essentially on the show my thoughts exactly what was do you wish besides having connor as a coach and stuff like that or potentially switching sides or anything like that do you wish they would have just split the teams up so that you would have had maybe some of those vets incorporated on your team as well um i personally didn't care how it was gonna go um i didn't know if it was gonna be a team of prospects versus a team of vets in my head personally i thought that it was gonna be um a bracket of prospects versus, uh, and then a pro, uh, bracket of pros or veterans. And then the winner of each bracket was going to face each other in the finale. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like an old school versus new school type thing. But that wasn't the case at all. So I was looking at the prospects like those were the guys I was going to fight. When in reality, it ended up being that the vets were the guys we were going to fight. Um, but then again, like I said, Nothing happens the way that you think it's going to happen on the show. <laughs> I thought the first day they explained it to us, you know, number one seed is going to face number four seed, this and that, yada, yada, right? Well, Chandler has a wrestling background, so he has a deep, deep understanding of the bracket system and the seeding system. 
he knew that number four was going to face number one. Mm -hmm. So when Connor said that I was his number one, uh, Chandler already had his matchups in mind. He knew what matchups he wanted so he could clean house. And rather than having a balanced approach to the bracket and having the two best guys in the finals, it ended up being a lot of the guys got knocked out early on. You know, fair play to Chandler. That's cool and all, but he ruined the whole fucking show. That was the whole point, you know? Guys get beat, guys move on, and that's how it's supposed to go. But I guess in a way, that's how it played out anyways, but that's not how I was expecting it to go at all. Uh, coming into the house and seeing – or not even coming into the house, coming into the hotel where everybody was walking around. Oh, and another side note. There was 24 guys there for 16 spots. I know because Kenny got bumped off there too. Yeah. Last minute, yep. And it all, everything happens the way it's supposed to happen, I guess. But um, they were booting guys last minute. But I was keeping track in my mind, like, who's here? Uh, what weight class are they going to be? Who are they? And we were locked in the room all day. So I was studying film with that on everybody. And in my mind, as soon as I, I started really looking through the lineup, I was like, okay, it's going to be me and Cody Gibson in the finals. And I knew it. And I knew it was going to be me and Cody. I had a feeling. And then that happens when they announce the first matchup. And I'm like, oh, fucking course. It's me and him <laughs> in the first round. But in a way, I was okay with it because I knew that I, at the mo at that moment, I was the best version of me possible. And I was like, if I can't beat him in the first round, I won't beat him in the finals. So it doesn't make a difference. If I beat him now, I'm the champion regardless. And in my mind, I was ready to go out there and win. I was fully prepared to win, and I felt like I was doing great in that fight up until you had a good fight, bro. He went, he went Super Saiyan. I mean, that's not really something I can be mad about. It was just a perfect shot, perfect timing. Honestly, that makes it a little easier to get over than me going out there and getting fucking demolished for three rounds. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. there's a big difference, and I felt like I was holding my own. I felt like I was starting to pull away and starting to starting to really take the energy until that started until that happened you know i was starting to sway the the energy of the fight and the momentum of the fight i was taking all that and then bam perfect shot perfect timing so hats off to him man he's a fucking g but yeah. that's a great mindset on it though man because you're looking at it as look you got caught and i could totally agree with that because that's the same as that i'd have to imagine that it would be an even bigger blow if even if you had went for 15 minutes yeah. And lost on a decision. You know, you get caught. Anybody can get caught. Everybody's got a knockout button. Hey, but so, here's, here's the ahead. thing, though. I hate that word. You can't say I got caught because there is a tiny bit of luck involved and a, or bad luck on my end, whatever it is. But he knew he was going to do that. He timed that, and he threw it. He, he got his read, and he did it. And it just so mm -hmm. happened be at the perfect time perfect place perfect everything and just a little bit of luck so i can't call it getting caught i think he just threw the perfect shot you know really? he beat me fair and square and i'm just like fuck it you know it is what it is on to the next one i could have done some things different of course there's a lot of shit i could have done in that fight like i rewatched it a million times little adjustments would go a long way in that fight so that's a good thing you know if i was perfect right now i'd be in trouble because I'm barely scratching the surface and I'm and it's coming at the perfect time right now where I'm scratching the surface of the UFC and I'm getting to that point and I'm ready to go, man. So that's what this next fight's all about. I'm going to go out there and show it.
Well, with yeah. that said, it kind of brings up a question that I want that brought up what with what you've been doing in between there. Like you said, you haven't been able to fight, but I've been keeping up on what you've been doing with like submission hunters and all the stuff you've been doing in the grappling. And was you getting back a little bit to your wrestling roots, something that you felt like you wanted to uh, get back into and maybe employ more grappling headed into your fight with Fury FC? Because I feel like like you even have already mentioned in this show, you know, with your your wrestling background. You are, are willing to bang with anybody. I've seen a lot of your fights at this point, and I feel like what from what I saw at Submission Hunters, you can get it done on the mat too. So do you feel like finding more balance is what you're looking for in this next fight? Um, in reality, what I what I want to do is I just I want to find the perfect <clears throat> version of me, you know, the most efficient version of me. And it's been all hands on deck lately, you know. I've I've had Joaquin my whole career i've had magic my whole career i've had all the jj i've had him my whole career and then now we got the addition of gray maynard who's quickly became a big big part of my of my training and now it's to the point where that's that's another guy that's right up there at the top for me um and i'm balancing all that out you know all these it's all hands on deck everybody's helping me and we're all going through this together we're all it's just trial and error trial and error and i think right now is the perfect mix that I have. And I think I did get lost for a while. I, I did get lost in the sauce and got kind of carried away with things that just aren't me. You know, I'm not saying I'm not a good striker. I am, but I'm also a good wrestler. And my game is best when I can blend everything together and bring a package that nobody else can bring. And I feel like when I'm firing on all cylinders and I'm 100%, I'm one of the best in the world. And I truly do believe that. So. It's about time that I go out there and I put it in the cage rather than just show it in the gym. And uh, I'm just ready, man. I think uh, another thing is like this fight, I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. You know, for a long time, I was carried away with trying to prove to people I'm not just a wrestler. Because if there's one thing I can't stand in this game, it's a boring ass wrestler. That's the worst shit you can be. Actually, that's a lie. There's two things I hate in the MMA. I hate a wrestler that can't strike and I hate a striker that can't wrestle. And I despise when they complain about it. Because this is that. <laughs> all you wanted to do was wrestle me, bro. <laughs> I, and that's what it's all about, man. At the end of the day, we're all fighters. And people don't want to watch that shit, man. Whatever you do, be entertaining at it. If you're going to be a wrestler, be a fucking good one. Be a firecracker, dude. Go out there, put somebody on their shit. Like, that, there's a big difference between a lay and pray ass dude mm -hmm. and somebody that's going out there and fucking pushing the pace and breaking people's will and just completely having their way with them. There's a big, big difference. And that's me. That's what I want to do. Another thing I wanted to ask you about was I've noticed uh, in your time away uh, after the ultimate fighter, I've noticed you've been hitting a lot of different spots to train. Talk to me. Uh, talk to me about that, man, because I always, when I first got around uh, MMA boxing and jujitsu, man, it was around, 2006 2007 and back then you didn't have a lot of places that were like all in one spot so i always find it cool when you see fighters go and get different looks from different places doesn't mean you're changing teams or anything but just getting different looks talk to me a little bit about uh the looks that you've been getting while you've been getting ready to get another fight uh it's been cool man i mean the good thing about this sport is that it's like led me to some amazing places and i've met some amazing people so I've built some good relationships along the way, and I've been able to leverage all those relationships to 
you know, maximize my training, maximize my knowledge, maximize my experiences in the sport. And I just use every avenue that I can possibly have. Luckily for me, Coach Joaquin isn't isn't the jealous type that doesn't want you to go anywhere else. You know, our gym is far, far, far from culty. And there's a lot of gyms nowadays that are culty. They don't let you go anywhere else. You almost have to, like, praise your master. I've heard it a bunch over the years, man. It's <laughs> so weird, man. That's That's so bizarre to me. And, you know, like knowledge is power and you if you if you can take the, get knowledge go places and travel and experience things and bring it back to your team and share it with your guys and raise the level of the room that's the key you know i bring everybody up around me whenever i go learn something i come back i show i show my guys and we all work it together you know uh luckily i've been able to i have good relationships with everybody in mexico so i go train every time i'm back home visiting my family I, I stop in Guadalajara and I train out there and those are some killers out there, man. It's a it's a it's an up and coming gym. They got a lot of up and coming guys and really, really tough room. Especially at my weight class. You know, they got the four I'd 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 go as far as to say that they got the four best one thirty fivers in the in the country of Mexico. So it's a big deal, you know, to get to work with them. They have a great coach, Coach Will. Um they have a great staff and it's a good place to be. Uh, I've been linking up a lot with uh, Dante Leon and Max Hansen down in, in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, that team, Matamas Jiu-Jitsu, uh, has done a lot for me, helping me out, uh, changing my game, you know, uh, just teaching me new things, new ways to maximize my potential in the sport of Jiu-Jitsu and also convert it over in MMA because Matamas isn't your typical modern Jiu-Jitsu place where all they do is play legs, you know. They have a wrestle-up mindset. They wrestle, they're hard-nosed, they have a good pace, and the room is crazy tough, you know. Dante is one of the best grapplers in the world, and Max Hansen is right there on his tail. So uh, it's cool to learn from those guys. Obviously, you know, I get, I, 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 I'm really good friends with TJ Laramie, so he's been a big part of, of my preparation over the last, like, what, eight months now. Uh, I link up with him whenever he has a fight. I have a fight. Actually, my fight simulation for this fight was with TJ Laramie, you know. So he gave me a good look to prepare. And yeah, I mean, just everywhere, man. Vegas. You um, did some stuff with Yair too, didn't you? You were telling me about that when I saw you in uh, Chicago for Bellator. Yeah, man. Uh, who are you talking about? <laughs> I'm literally with everybody. I know, but that's why I was saying Yair. You were saying you were going with uh, Yair oh, Rodriguez yeah. and then. down in Mexico. Like I said, yep. man, we're all yep. over the place. I thought you said someone here. I was like, who? No, no. I was saying, yeah, here, my bad. Because I yeah. remember when I saw you at Bellator, we were chopping it up about it. I think you had said you just found out that they wanted you to uh, come down there. Is Guadalajara where uh, Alexa Grasso is training out of? Too? No, yeah, here actually trains in a separate place. Uh, he trains at this gym called Cagers. And it's like a new gym that his manager made up. Or he like built it from ground up, you know. It's a new place. It's like super state of the art. It's almost like I'd compare it to like the PI type of deal, you know. Okay. But uh, Alexa Grasso, her gym is Lobo, which is also close by Samurai FC, which is where I train in Mexico, and uh, they got a lot of good bodies there too. They got people like uh, they got Irene Aldana there. They got Diego Lopez there. Uh, mm. He he splits camp between there, Las Vegas, and his own gym. Uh, I, I believe I believe it's called Brazilian Warriors, and that's in Monterrey, I believe, something like that. But I mean, that dude stays super busy, you know. So he's another guy out there that's that's real tough, and he's someone I actually want to get some work in with too. 
Yeah, that's well, why I was. That's actually why I was asking. I knew he was really popular in the area with man, them training in the same. Yeah, he he's making a name for himself real quick. That's for sure. Oh yeah, man. I mean, that's like a perfect situation for a debut too. You know, you get put in there with the mm -hmm. top fifteen guy, and you give him a run for his money. Some people might have even said he could have pulled that one off, man. You know, it was a real close fight. If I don't, if I remember correctly, I think that was a split decision. Yeah, I believe it was. So I mean, it doesn't get better than that. And then a great performance in his second fight, and now he's going at it again. I mean. Shit, let's see where, let's see how far you can take it, man. I'm always rooting for all the guys, especially guys that I know are good people and guys that I really support, you know? Yeah, totally feel that, man. Like I said, it, I just like seeing that because to me, it just reminds me of the old school days, kind of. And I feel like doing it that way, a lot of times you get a lot more looks. And with you trying to compete at the level that you are, I mean, the amount of good looks you get, the more amount of good looks you're getting and getting into being in those rooms like you're talking about it only is going to benefit you come fight time. Well, now that we've talked about what you've been doing outside the cage and your time after the ultimate fighter and all those things, man, talk to me about Fury FC, man. It's another good platform for you to be coming back to. It's going to be in Texas. So you're not going to freeze your balls off like here in Detroit. Uh, tell me about this fight and Cameron Smotherman. How are you feeling about uh, this fight and uh, how do you see it going? Um, I think it's a great matchup. Uh, Dude's super tough, super active, and I've been watching him for a while. Obviously, you know I like I, I like keeping a look, keeping a close eye on the entire landscape of my weight class, uh, right? You know, with other people that are in the similar positions I'm in, uh, people that are you know fighting for titles in other organizations, things like that. People that I might cross paths with down the line. So I guess it paid dividends this time around because Cameron Smotherman is a dude that I've been watching fight for a while now. He stays super active, and I got nothing but respect for him. But I'm definitely ready to go do my thing out there. You know, I'm coming into his hometown to his home promotion and main eventing in, in his area. You know, I'm in his backyard. So there's no such thing as bad energy. If you ask me, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to steal all that energy. I'm going to go out there and put on a great performance and come home with the win and keep it moving, man. I think this is a this is a big deal. You know, it's a super big fight, especially for two guys that are right on the cusp of the UFC. You know, obviously we both... Uh, took L's on contender, so this one's make or break, you know, it's a big deal, um, it's a great opponent, and there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this one, you know, it's been getting a lot of coverage, and I'm super excited about it, I, that's the only way that I would want it, you know, I, I feel like life's about rolling the dice, and that's exactly what I'm here to do, so I'm, I'm super, super excited about the matchup, super excited about the challenge, and I'm ready to go out there and get it done. What do you think is going to be the, go ahead. I was just going to say Fury FC is a solid organization too. It's not like you're coming back to just some, you know, no name local organization. Fury FC right on Fight Pass, solid organization to jump back to. But what were you going to say, Kyle? Well, I was going to say now that you brought it up, you know, that said, you know, the only thing is, man, IG was trying to catch me up in this promo stuff. All these promotions that got damn Fury in it. I'm trying to do too many different things in it. And I look and good look on the out on the lookout. I'm like, damn it. That was definitely not what was supposed to be there, or at least wasn't what I was trying to tag. So, like he said, you know, Fury FC is another one that I've been keeping up on, too, with uh, them being on UFC Fight Pass. And we, I, I like watching them like LFA. Same like you said. You know, we that's one thing we've always prided ourselves on as a show is trying to get people both. We're not just trying to get UFC guys and Bellator guys and Bare Knuckle FC guys and all these things. We want to get the people before they get in there too, because I mean, you're getting high level regional fights 
that's what you're getting in this matchup with Cameron Smotherman. So I know I, for one, am looking forward uh, to seeing that fight, but that leads into something else I got to ask you about. You know, you got to jump on the commentary desk with us at Lights Out Championship for another uh, high-caliber MMA fight with a guy who also brought your name up when he was on the show in Askar Askar. So uh, talk to me about that, man. What were your thoughts with uh, uh, the commentary game? Dude, it's way harder than I thought it was, bro. Like, I thought, I, I, like, when I'm just watching TV, like, watching fights at home, with especially with, like, regular people, you know, people that don't fight or whatever, I can talk my ass off. Like, I can talk great. Mm -hmm. I make it sound so good. And then all of a sudden, I hear myself on the mic and the little thing. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I sound like a dumbass. Dude, <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. But it was fun, man. I think it's something that I like. I like it. You know, it's fun. Um, it's just kind of hard to, it's just, it's just kind of hard to, you know, think of something and put it out there right away. Like you got to really mm -hmm. turn over quick. Yeah, that, that's a good point. As somebody who's now only done it two or three times, it's same type of feeling. Like, like you say, hearing yourself back and stuff, it's like, come on, man, you could have said that better. You could have, you could have clarified that word. You could have spoke with a little, say it with your chest. You know, you could have, yeah. there's so many different moments where you're like, man, you could have, should have. But in the end, it's like what I what I've noticed at least is try to my way of doing it at least is always try to add and just it's better to not say something if it's not going to add to the conversation or add a solid point to the commentary. You know, it's better to not sit on there and bullshit your way through it, basically, than it is, you know, try to add solid points. And if you don't have nothing solid to say, then, you know, yeah. No, nah, man, but it's cool. Like for me, my first time getting to do that was uh, doing wrestling. Like I did, was doing this stuff for uh, Henry Ford for a while. And then I've done, shit, I've done the last six lights out, I think. So like I said, it's uh, it's definitely something. And especially for me, like coming from the wrestling world too, man, like I like to try to throw like that kind of flavor in it too. So I mean, with seven years of doing the show and doing that stuff, uh that's real cool i actually just got to watch back the main event that had askar askar and austin bashy i didn't realize they put it out on youtube and you're right when you hear it back it's like mm -hmm. oh shit like, <laughs> like yeah. this, this, <laughs> even though i mean i guess it's a little different now now that i've done the show for a while but like totally the first couple times when you hear yourself talking and it hits you where you're like oh shit so i'm the one that's got to tell these people what's going on in this fight and then <laughs> And then knowing the fact that like fighters like yourself will go back and be like, well, what they'll watch that tape 20, 30 times. They'll oh, eventually yeah. have to mute my dumb ass because they're like <laughs> sick of hearing, you know, they're sick of hearing my ass fucking commentate over it. So oh, I could just imagine, you know, like opponents going and watching tape on their, you know, potential future opponents and stuff. And it's like, all right, like you say, Kyle, it, it's a, it's a two-sided sword hearing yourself back. That's for sure. It's better doing it live than it is hearing yourself back. That's for sure. Well, remember Jimmy Smith said it on the show when he came on here, he said when he watches fights, he mutes the commentary because he does, he don't want to hear it because he's called so many fights and all these things. So I could totally see where mm -hmm. that's a thing. And that's a guy who does commentary, been doing commentary for a living for how long for UFC and everywhere else, man. So it, it's, it's definitely a thing, but like you said, it's another um, cool skill for you to have outside of fighting. Um, you know, you talk about um, getting back in the, you know, why didn't we ever get to see Amanda? Wow. 
There's a question. Why didn't we ever get to see a Mondo Gutierrez versus Austin Bashy fight? To be honest, man, I think the reality of it is uh, there's a couple times, you know, I'm sure my his name hit my desk and my name hit his desk. I think the big deal is we're both surging prospects out of Michigan. That's a fight that's not supposed to happen here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel that. Like, the thing, the, the thing about Michigan is that we have the best fans in the country, in my opinion. We really do have the best supporters and the best fans in the world. I love, I, I love repping Michigan. I wasn't, I, obviously, I wasn't born here. I'm not from here. I moved here to fight, and it quickly became like my home. Like I represent Michigan, you know. And the one flaw that I see is that everybody always wants everyone to fight each other. Like the 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 key is like everyone builds their guys up and they go to the national and the world level. And that's where, that's where they have all their fun, you know, but here the job is sell tickets, win big fights and get the fuck up out of here. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's trying to fight in Michigan forever. And sometimes you do still see that, you know, this isn't a jab at anybody. You know, I respect anybody that steps in the cage, everybody that steps in the cage. And I mean that, but there's guys that have been fighting that are, that have like backwards ass records. They're like 30 and 20, you know what I'm saying? And they're still fighting on the local scene because all they did was take all these tough fights that didn't make sense for their career. You know, they could have done something with themselves. They could have made it to the, to the, to the big show and they never did, you know? And I think that's what, uh, every time that that fight was brought up or, or, or talked about by any promoter, nobody ever even wanted to do it because they knew that both of, they knew where both of us belonged. They knew where both of us are supposed to be. And that's that, you know? Like, look at it. Look, look at uh, uh, A-Ball saw here, for for, for uh, example. Yep. They brought, they're bringing guys in from Ohio for them. Jake Scott, they're bringing guys in from Ohio, Iowa, Chicago, all these other places, you know? That, that's how you do it. You you win big fights. You, you establish yourself as a top prospect. And they bring in tough fighters from out of state. And we beat up the people in other ponds, not our pond. And then we make it out. And I think that's I feel how that. Was, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. And that, yeah. that even ties into the other side of our show with pro wrestling. I mean, you want to do it where you're going to make the most money. You want to build it up where it's going to make the most money. If you guys fight on the regional scene and, you know, somebody takes a bad loss or whatever it is, well, now you've, now you've derailed somebody on the way up. So yeah. I totally... I totally understand that. But since somebody's asking about it, what'd you think about his last fight since you were there? Same as we were, man. Like, since I just watched that back. I told you, I told you from the jump, man, the thing about it is like, go, well, real quick, going back to what we were just talking about. The one last thing I want to say about all that is like, you know, when you, when you start working your way up the ladder, there's nothing left to be said about somebody's reputation. There's nothing left to be said about somebody's, like persona or who they are as a person, you know, or their character. I've never said no to any fight in my life. And I'm sure Bashi hasn't either. Asgar hasn't either. And that's why we're getting to that pinnacle. You know, we're getting to that point where we're right there and we're almost breaking through. But the thing is the fight game isn't as big as people think. So sometimes that leads me into the question. Now you asking me how I felt about his last fight. It was a really weird for me because I'm friends with Bashi, but I'm also friends with Asgar. He's my boy from back home. We cross-train together. 
So it was a, it was really weird for me to be sitting there watching that fight. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a really, it was almost awkward. You know, I like, I didn't even want to, I don't know. I, I can't even describe it to you, you know, but I was incredibly impressed with the fight, the way it went. That's not at all how I saw that fight going. Um, I thought it was going to be a war, man. And the first round was crazy. The first round went exactly how I thought it was going to go, you know, but uh, Bashi really turned that shit around and, and got it done in the second. And, I mean, proved everybody right. You know, he showed why he's the next guy up. Even though it was a shorter fight, I would almost argue that if, uh, you know, I would even argue that even though Joe Penafiel that Austin fought was a really tough fight, I would argue that that fight with Askar Askar still may have been nah. his toughest test because. Nah. Oh, of course. Dude, well, that's why I said that, true. because you could see it, like you said, in the first round, like you watch that first round. Askar was doing a good job of defending the wrestling, being able to get his back off the cage. He had a couple times where he had the double underhooks and all that. And we know he wasn't trying to wrestle him all the while while he's trying to strike. So in a lot of in a lot of scenarios, he was doing exactly what he said he wanted to do on the show. But I think uh, the biggest thing that I saw that was a little different in this fight for him versus some of the other ones I've seen was that Austin struck a little more than we've seen him do in his last few fights. And I think that that was the ultimately the key that helped uh, lead to that takedown, which ultimately ended up getting him to get his back and so on and so on. But uh, either way, it's definitely a good fight. He says, it what leads, if what it is leads good? into what you were saying earlier, Mondo, like what we'll see with Austin later is the best version of himself. Also, like you were saying, is somebody that can mix it up and do the best of both worlds. And I feel like that's what we seen that version of him in this fight compared to where we've seen mostly the dominant wrestling, the top game where he's controlled people and then ended up ground and pounding him usually to a finish, maybe finding a sub along the way. But this one, it was, he really mixed it up really well. And I feel like that was what kept Askar off his, off his game essentially in that second round. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something he most likely was not preparing for, you know, he was probably preparing for like a grueling, Five round wrestling pace, but and that's how he's yeah. fought mostly as a pro. thing, bro. Of course, of course, Askar was a harder fight, way tougher fight. Simply because it's, it, I mean, the thing about Penafiel is everything he does is ugly. Like to be honest with you, it's just ugly. It's weird, and the technique is really off. So it's hard to get a read on guys like that. It's hard to fight guys like that because you can't get them to react mm -hmm. the way you want them to react. So. I mean, no matter what, that's going to be an ugly fight. He's one of those guys that's going to make you fight a fight that you don't want to fight, if that makes sense. So totally. regardless, I knew that's what it was going to be for him. I knew that's what it was going to be for me because if you if, if we look back, like I was supposed to fight him one time right before I got called up for Contender Series. So I was already prepared for that type of fight as well. I was like, fuck. I'm gonna be the first dude to finish him though. That's what I that's what I was thinking. I was like, dude, I'm gonna be the first guy to finish him, get his ass up out of there, and call it a day. And nope, never ended up happening. Obviously, I went a different way. But uh we tried to make that fight again afterwards, but he's with he's with Game Brad making the big I was bucks. about to say, yeah, he's doing bare knuckle he's doing the bare knuckle yeah. MMA over there. And it you know, it's crazy too because two weeks after he fought Austin, he fought on Masvidal's MMA card and beat a nine and zero kid from Moldova from ATT Did with you King watch the Mo. Fight yeah, I watched it. Man, I mean, some, hey, bro. You know what they say sometimes about these undefeated guys though is that they're the easiest to break. 
They haven't been tested. Well, I feel like that was the difference for him in that fight, really, because his he just stayed pressure on that guy from the opening minute. He never really got to really get open or do any because that was the big thing they were talking about with that guy before the fight was okay, dude can strike and he can wrestle and do all that. But like you just said, Penafield just never gave him a chance to ever set up, get smooth or anything of the sort. You can't, yeah, man. Uh, so, that's one thing about Penafield that everybody has to respect, man, is he's a gamer and he's always in your face and he's there to scrap, bro. They call him a party for a reason, bro. He really is there to party. And he, he pit, bro, he'd be perfect for pro wrestling, man, because the way he was fucking pissing people off when he was walking out to the cage, man, I thought we were going to have dude, to like have somebody. Long, get dude, when at the, I was at that weigh in because that was my little brother's, uh, that was my little brother's UFC debut, debut right? Or, or my little brother's MMA debut. Yep. And we were at that weigh-in, and Penafiel walks up, bust like bumping classical music to the weigh-in. When we're in the foyer, we're not even in the weigh-in venue yet. We're in the lot, like in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, I get you. And he walks up to Bashy all dehydrated and headbutts him. <clears throat> but I'm not talking about like a little like, huh? No, he went boom right into his face. I was like, Jeez. Oh, damn. Yeah, man. They, it, it was weird, bro. I was like, dude, you're about to lose your fight right now. Like, it was one of those where I was like, I was concerned. I was like, dude, I don't let him get cut. Whiplash or something. Boy, he went too far. But he gets in fights at a lot of his weigh-ins, man. So that's just that's 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 just, I guess, the way he rolls. But I mean, like you said, I was just pointing that out for the simple fact of just it being tough fights. What were you gonna say? Uh, I thought. Go ahead, Kyle. I was, I was going to no, ask a completely different subject. No, that. you were straight. I was about to change that subject as well. Um, you know, now that we've talked about um, what you've got coming with Cameron Smotherman and all that stuff, I know, like you've said earlier, that you're a student of the game. So I got to get uh, your thoughts on a few of these topics, bro. First of all, we chatted up uh, with uh, Zoe Nowicki of Team uh, USA doing the pancreation and it, making her pro MMA debut and all that as well. We asked her, what do you think about um, what we heard come up with USADA and now how there's going to be a new company over the UFC? How much do you think that – yeah, yeah, drug-free international. So how do you think that that's going to affect, like, the overall MMA pro game? I don't think it's going to change, bro. I really don't. Here's the thing. It's – this isn't any other sport where you can just cheat your ass off and then hope you don't get caught. People's lives are at stake when it comes to fighting. People will mm-hmm. fucking die in that cage if somebody's really cheating their ass off like that. Are people cheating? Absolutely. Guarantee it. A lot of people are cheating. But at some point, they're all going to get caught. And they can only cheat a certain amount because you're going to get caught. And Drug Free Sport International, nothing's really going to change. It's the same people, it seems like. Same, same people are going to be doing, every, do, like, doing all the heavy, like the heavy work. But the difference is it's going to be more catered towards the fighters from my understanding, at least from what I, I sat there and listened to that entire interview, that entire press conference. And um, the the like the, the main people that are working with the UFC, uh, overseeing the whole USADA situation and things like that, they were the ones that were up there along with Campbell. And mm-hmm. they're talking about how this is going to be more catered towards the fighters in terms of when they're collecting, what days they're collecting, stuff like that, you know, because USADA is dead set on this whole random drug test, random piss test, random collection times, 
uh, and it's completely random, supposedly, when it's all people in the U.S. and people in remote countries aren't going to be accessed as easy. Simple as that. And they'll pull up on you at 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, on weigh-in day, get out of here, man. Hell no. Hell no. Like, I'm not saying, like, it shouldn't be random. It's probably still going to be random, and I hope it is, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't be to piss you off. Like, that damn near, like, if, if it's random and it says 5 o'clock on weigh-in day, are you really going to, like, man, just random it again. Like, just hit the button again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They could do it with someone what? else at a different time. Like, are you serious, really? One thing I was seeing that they were bringing up is like the whereabouts stuff. They're going to be a lot more, not necessarily lenient, but I guess like not necessarily have to constantly keep an updated schedule of where you're going to be, you know, two weeks in advance on this, you know, just to keep you sada happy, essentially. And then secondly, they were also saying that uh, they've been trying to work with USADA to make like some type of app or something. So it'd be easier for the fighters to give their whereabouts so that they could, you know, be tested when the time was there and USADA was basically unable to help them fulfill that and so I'm assuming like you say I think it's just going to be a lot of the same in most regards except for maybe a little bit more helpful for the fighters they're still going to have to do their drug tests they're still going to have to do their regular routine but it's going to be a lot more lenient and on their schedule I guess you could say yeah. Well, and they also said that even with Connor, like it from the way it's been sounding, it sounds as though he's been they've been giving him a hell of a time now that he's back in the drug testing pool for the last few months while USADA is uh, you know, still in control of all that stuff. So with that said, and you getting to train with uh Connor and getting to see uh Chandler and how he works as well, who do you like in that fight? If that fight ever ends up getting to happen at some point in twenty twenty four, how do you see it going? Man, Connor will blast his ass. He's going to knock him the fuck out, bro. I'm not even talking about that, man. 100%. And I'm not just saying that because he was my coach. I truly do believe the dude hits like a Mack truck, bro. He hits you one time, you're going to sleep. And Michael Chandler is the type of guy that will most definitely stand right in front of you and trade. Absolutely. And, you know, to his credit and to his to his downfall. It's, at the, like, it's the best of both worlds in his end. Because that's why he puts on such exciting fights, but that's also why he fucks around and gets dropped sometimes. Yeah, you can't argue that he's not one of the most entertaining fighters, though, for that reason. Entertaining, for sure, but I said it as soon as they even mentioned that they were going to be the coaches of that. I definitely feel like this matchup was made because they know you got a guy like Chandler, even if he comes out there trying to wrestle Connor at first. At some point, that fight's going to break down into a brawl. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it couldn't be a. I agree with you on that. It couldn't be a better matchup for Connor if Connor comes back and fights like Connor. If Connor fights and in I a counter see, fight, go ahead. I I don't see Chandler as two things. I don't see him as a major submission threat, no. and I don't see him as a major major cardio threat either. You know, mm-hmm. if he don't get him in the first couple of rounds, I totally can see that yeah, too. They, both of those guys get tired. That that's a both. You know, both yeah. of them circumstance yeah, for sure. Definitely, but but when they both get when they both get tired, is he still gonna be able to take Connor's big ass down, or is he gonna, or or is it gonna turn into like a a back and forth trade like third round Justin Gaethje and uh, Chandler type of deal where they're yeah. sitting right in front of each other going like this? I mean, I doubt he's gonna wave Connor forward. You know what I'm saying? And Connor's a sharpshooter, man. No, doesn't matter how tired he is, if he can touch you, he can drop you. 
Right, that's why I say it's right. it's it's a good matchup for Connor because, like I said, that's the type of fight he wants. We all know he doesn't mm-hmm. really want to wrestle with somebody. I think the story of that fight comes down to can Michael Chandler discipline himself enough to try to use his wrestling versus getting goaded into a striking battle? Because I think, like you said, a striking battle is what would favor Connor McGregor. We're going to have to see how he does if, as far as taking shots in that, but obviously he was training um, throughout the Ultimate Fighter and all that as well. So it's going to be interesting. It's interesting to see how that plays out. I just hope we get to the point where we actually have that fight. But One, one question I forgot to ask you earlier while we were on the Ultimate Fighter topic. Uh, a lot kind of in the media side, at least, was being brought up the, about the fact that this was uh, one of the shortest recording times that you guys were in the house for. Did you feel that experience? Like you said, you were dealing with kind of the TV crunch and stuff like that, but did you feel that as one of the uh, contestants on the, on the game show that is the ultimate fighter? Um, yeah, it, it was, it was shorter. It was rushed. It was a, it was a lot of things, bro. And I don't want to talk bad about it. You know, I, I, I'm not I trying get to, but to be honest with you, they, they did not do that show justice. There was so much, like, if they did their job right, everybody on that show would have been a meme on, on, on fucking Instagram by now. There was some funny shit that happened with everybody there. They could have really got some clicks and really got some real traction behind this season. But they didn't really, they didn't show any of the cool stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? And they used to show all that back in the day. Mm-hmm. I remember, you remember when Crookshank got hit in the balls and then jumped up and, like, super kicked that guy? <laughs> I understand with the, like, coach's time commitments, we'll say, with the Conor McGregor being who Conor but McGregor is and stuff. But, like, he wasn't gone. That's yeah. not true. He was at practice damn near every day. Yeah, So, but what I was going to say was, like, I, I remember what made part of the show so fun growing up and stuff and watching it was they would do the dumb little like coaches versus coaches challenges and stuff like that i know they tried that with the whole ice tub thing but that didn't seem to really pan out the way that they were hoping for they used to have more elaborate games and stuff like that that had some type of repercussions before and i feel like they like you said they kind of stepped away from all of that and made it just kind of here's fighter a taking on fighter b Here's five minutes of their backstory. Here's five minutes of their backstory. Here's weigh-ins. Here's fights, and it's like they didn't they didn't put enough personality in it for for the yeah. viewership. Like I met some of the coolest people I've ever met on that show. Like I got something to say about everybody. Like Jason Knight, Jason Knight's entire like everyone had their little cubby like section of like um like a pantry like their own pantry, and Jason Knight's pantry was straight sweets i'm talking about honey <laughs> buns cosmic brownies snickers nothing else and that's really all he eats bro i'm not kidding you bro i'm not kidding you bro he will cook like he'll make like i don't know everything that he would cook was like sodium bomb straight up like it had more it had more salt on the edge of it than it did actual meat bro it was crazy and that's, <laughs> that's great. Lee Hammond is the funniest person I've ever met, bro. Like, he's so calm, cool, collected. If you don't know him, like, he just keeps to himself. But then once you once you get to know him and you talk to him and he gets comfortable with you, 
that motherfucker can impersonate anybody, bro. And I'm <laughs> talking about perfect, perfect, like nails it. Any accent, any anything, and it's crazy how fast he can do it. That's dope, man. Like that was that's yeah. like he said. That's one of the things I think that's changed the show. Plus, you did that dope ass mural while you were there, and uh, that was that was cool to see when they showed that on the show. And uh, no, you they, gotta... they didn't even show it on the show. I posted that. I got that, that... from Connor's videographer. Okay, cool. Okay, so you got that was what it was. I just remembered yeah. I had saw it somewhere. I couldn't remember if it was the show or social media, but that bitch was hard. Yeah, dude, it was dope. I have it. I have it next to my pool table in the next room over. Yeah, that's oh, what's yeah. up, dude. And it's cool that you still got to, uh, you know, do all that stuff and, um, you know, get to still do your thing while you're in the house. You got to find something to do to keep yourself busy. So, I mean, yeah. that that came out sweet. Well, before I get you out of here, I got a couple more things I got to ask you about. Bro, the world has been talking the last few days when Francis Ngannou shocked the world. So you got to tell me, what are your thoughts on Francis versus Fury, bro? I could have seen it both ways, man. I could have seen it both ways, but he definitely went out there and fought his ass off, and he definitely held MMA to the highest regard, you know? He went out there and made everybody proud regardless. Obviously, you already know, if you're gonna, if this is an official bout, and you're going out there and you're fighting the world champ, come on now, bro. You know you know it's going to be home cooking through and through. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta get a finish, and if you don't, it's, it's already lost, bro, and that's fine. You know, he was fighting an unwinnable fight and he went out there and damn near won anyways. So, hey, you know, he he, w- he walked away with the true definition of the, the people's belt on the night. You know, he, oh, he really oh, won. Oh, everybody. Yeah, he, yeah, he won the people's minds and hearts with the, the way the knockdown. Honestly, the performance, even from the first round, like once I seen that he wasn't he wasn't in there to just play around just to do it and get his there. money yeah. and go home he was yeah, in there to... no sideshow that's for damn sure and, and what yeah. i tell people is like he's a real winner because he put himself in a position now where everyone's gonna yeah. want a piece of that they're talking about him and joshua now eddie hearn was just talking about him and joshua and then the thing is my whole thought going into that fight honestly was you know who had to be the happiest in the world that that happened pfl because oh, could you admit could you imagine if he'd have went in there and Tyson Fury would have just knocked his fucking block off in the second or third round and they haven't even gotten them in the PFL cage and they're already locked into a minimum of five mil? Dude, yeah. that yeah. is wild. But the performance that he was able to put on, man, and truly shocked the world. At least the the fighting critics like myself, the people that watch all these fights all the time, man, I, I truly thought it was a puncher's chance. And for him to basically go out there and – like you say, with the home cooking that was involved, I thought he outboxed Tyson Fury for the majority mm-hmm. of that fight. You can you can say the way that boxing scored that the jab matters more and stuff like that, but any fighter's fighter will tell you damage and the the way that Tyson Fury's face looked the day after compared to Ngannou, that that tells the whole story right there. The fact that. Ngannou was able to land all these shots, was able to keep the pressure on him, but also maintain his range and not put himself in any dumb positions throughout that whole 10-round fight. It was just – it was amazing, man. It was really, truly amazing to see the UF, former UFC heavyweight champion, finally a MMA rese- uh, representative go over to boxing and finally do something good for, for okay. once. And you know he got paid. This man, you talk about that. You, did you guys notice the bag he was coming uh, carrying around all week that said yeah. fumbled the bag? 
And then this man just got paid the biggest contract he's ever had in his entire fight career. And he ain't even made it to PFL where he's got at least another five mil coming. Like, yeah, bro. And like and like you guys said, with the boxing opportunities that are left. Dude, they're already talking about him and Joshua. Yeah. And I feel I like mean, that's a perfect fight had, for him. He could knock Joshua the fuck out. <laughs> they had uh, Don Davis or whatever, uh, the the owner of uh, PFL on Ariel Hwani's show talking about it. And he's like, man, I don't know if he's going to fight for us next because there's not the, op- the opponents that we can bring in MMA aren't going to bring the amount of eyeballs that he can generate with a boxing fight. And for him, for an owner of an organization, like you said, with some, so much invested into somebody for them to even say that, that just tells you Francis and is winning right well, now. Yeah. I think it's off to the races for every promoter out there, regardless, because the landscape of not just MMA, but combat sports is changing so much. We got fucking YouTubers out here making <laughs> five times as much as the highest paid that part. MMA fighter ever. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. There's money out there. Someone's got to mm-hmm. get it, and it should be people that really know how to fucking fight. I, yeah. I don't care. The money's out there. Everybody, it should be off to the races right now. Everybody has to scramble and figure out how the fuck they're going to get that money out there because there's only so much money going around in combat sports and they have to figure out a way to make sure that shit stays here or here or here. You know, everybody needs to think of a way. I feel that. I feel that for sure, dude. Like I said, I feel like it's so dope that he was able to do that after all that. And now not only has he won in the boxing world, He's clearly still winning when he comes back over to MMA as well. But the last fight that I had to ask you about before we get out of here is, you know, you got Jan and Yuri coming up. Obviously, we saw that um, the John Jones and Stipe fight isn't happening. So you got to tell me, how do you feel with Jan versus Yuri? And do you think that we'll ever get to see that Jones versus Stipe thing? And if we don't, do you think he'll actually fight the winner of the Aspinall and uh, Pavlovich? I don't think... John Jones is fighting again. You think the peck injury is enough to call it a career on, huh? To be real, I don't think he's fighting again. I'm not saying just because of the peck injury. I'm saying just in general, bro. It's been so long, and now just another long-ass layoff. Like, I just don't think it's it's really in the cards anymore, uh, especially Stipe. Do you really think Stipe is going to fight again, bro? He's been sitting around this long, bro. No he way. was pissed that they didn't put him in the fight against Aspinall and them. He's like, bro, I've already been off this long. You got me ready to fight. At least let me be the one to, uh, yeah, you know, to fight there. But I agree with that 100% because yeah. I, I'm a big Stipe fan. But I feel like this was going to be the last hurrah for him as well if that fight would have went down like that. Because to your point, I mean, John Jones really, if you pay attention, kind of said it when he came back. He's like, look, I'm coming back to heavyweight. But you knew he was going right for the title, and now that he's won the title and done it in such dominant fashion, he finishes yeah. off one or one or two more fights. I think that's going to be it for him. Yeah, but I could also be, see there's even going to be one or one or two more fights because there's nobody that yep who's driven that. Fight. He doesn't care. Yeah, Stipe was the only real name that's was left in the or left yeah. in the uh, division, and even with, I mean, credit to the UFC, they pulled this amazing uh rabbit out of the hat with this Aspinall uh Pavlovich fight that, that's an incredible heavyweight interim fight Aspinall's being, next up yeah that being said I mean it's it's still I don't think with the doesn't matter how they win it could be impressive as hell they could get all the fanfare behind them to your point I don't think it's enough to get John Jones out of bed 
I don't I think it's enough to, you know, with and Stipe, it's too much of a risk for nothing with, for jo- nothing for Jones really to gain and everything for Aspinall because you got to yeah. look at it. Or if Pavlovich, Jones goes in, either one. But there, if Jones yeah. goes in there and beats either one of them, it's going to be well. John Jones was supposed to beat him, but if he yeah. loses to one of them guys, well, then it's already going to be oh shit. Well, John Jones is going down the hill. So mm-hmm. I I agree with you. That could totally be where we end up with that. Who do you got with Jan or Jan and Yuri? Who do you like in that fight? Yuri, all day. Even off the injury, huh? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you you living in you're living in the past with the Jan stuff, by the way. It's it's Pereira right now. Pereira? Oh Pereira. Yeah. Why am I saying yeah. Pereira? Yeah, Why did I say like, I I, I didn't yeah, mean I, I, was, I misspoke. I, I didn't yeah. Oh shit. Yep, I misspoke. See, look at that. I misspeak, and then we gone. <laughs> yeah, bad. fuck it. You my straight? Bad. No, my that was on me. I fucked it up in the first place. But yeah, dude, fucking Pereira. I like, in that fight, man, especially with Pereira being hot like he was. Granted, he got caught by Izzy. But boy, I like Pereira in this fight. <laughs> dude, Pereira for sure is winning that fight against Yuri, bro. He's, I don't know why we all brain farted there. I was like... Yeah, yeah. That's, they, I heard it. I'm like, nah. Nah. I eh, don't mind me. It's it, been a long Thursday today. Apparently, it's gonna <laughs> no, be no, for sure. Pereira, bro, is gonna get it done. Come on now, especially the way Yuri leads with his head. Like, I mean, granted, he does it to draw punches out, but mm-hmm. he ain't dealt with that Pereira speed. And it's not even that he's that fast. Like, he just puts them exactly where they're supposed to be. It's that kickboxing background, bro. Mm-hmm. What I want to see is I want to see. Uh, I want to see Pereira win, and I want to see him go fight uh, Jamal Hill when he comes back. That's what I want to see. Let them two fight. I feel like that's going to be a banger, and I hope they put Jamal back to the uh, to the title picture. But, man, we have kept you for a long time. So for anybody that uh, is on the fence, let them know where they can uh, check out Fury FC. And if you got any last words for your opponent, let them know. Uh, so, yeah, you can check it all out on Fury FC next weekend. I'm the main event for Fury FC Challenger Series 10, I believe. Uh, me and Cameron Smotherman, man, about to be a show. I'm ready to bring the heat and put on a show for everybody, man. So hopefully everybody can tune in. All the information is on my Instagram, El Toro Gutierrez. Uh, check me out on Facebook, Mando Gutierrez MMA, whatever else, man. Just check me out on there. And with that said, man, you've got it out there. Check it out. UFC Fight Pass next week. Program note. We are only doing one show next week. We're going to be live, but we're bringing you a big show. Because if you guys pay attention in the world of wrestling, you now know that TNA Wrestling is back. It's no longer Impact Wrestling. And so we have Impact's first signing. Our guy PCO dropping through the show next Thursday. So there's a lot to talk about in the world of wrestling and all that too. And like we talked about on Wednesday last night with Janai Kai, the goal is to hit 1,000 before the end of 2023. So all of y'all that are watching this, Hit the subscribe button. And until next time, and in the in-between time, keep them hands up and check out this fight. Peace.